So today we're going to talk about uh, when believers are persecuted. And I'm going to ask uh, Miss Ingrid if you can come for this side and uh, Miss Sheree. Uh, pass out these prayers. These are may be familiar to most of you. Our prayers on protection against persecution. And uh, hopefully, if you don't hear Sheree, take the rest of them. You may run out. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm uh, requesting that you would just uh, use this prayer. Take notes that you take today on the prayer. So write them on there. There's some things that I want you to make note of. Uh, and we'll pray this prayer for a specific situation when we're done. But uh, this week in the news, I know you've all been aware of a woman by the name of Kim, uh, Kim, what's her name, Davis. Uh, she's a clerk, uh, a county clerk, I guess, in Kentucky, who uh, has to issue marriage licenses. This is a normal routine for clerks of court to um, uh, put their name to documents to make them official. And uh, it appears that she's been in this office for some time, first as a deputy clerk and more recently as the uh, head clerk. And um, recently, you know, there was a Supreme Court decision to make uh, same-sex marriage, what they call it, um, legal in all states, which means it makes it illegal, I guess, for them not to allow people of the same sex to have a marriage license and to get what they call a marriage this woman felt that she couldn't sign her name to these documents being a Christian as it is a violation of her conscience. Amen. 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 <clears throat> so what we have here is unprecedented really in this country that people are being forced to do things against their own conscience. And this is something that... Uh, this country and most democratic or republics, you know, where there's a, a government by the people, by the will of the people, um, this is something that uh, is is very seldom done because in what we call, um, uh, I guess, humane societies and, and progressive societies or, you know, we're not quote-unquote pagan societies where we you know, worship the sun, the moon, the air, and all these things, and have a lot of superstitions about us. Uh, we are, are supposedly rational, reasonable people who have set up laws and set up a government to rule on behalf of the people, for the people, and by the people. Uh, it's known that in Kentucky, they voted down, the state of Kentucky voted down same-sex marriage. So the people have spoken, but amen. But the Supreme Court has seen fit to override the will of the people. Um, and it just depends on the makeup of the court. It just happens that there are five liberal judges to four conservative, what they call are constitutional conservative judges. And one of the justices of the Supreme Court, when he read the, the, the uh, arguments, he said, who in the world do we think we are? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Who do we think we are? He said, we're going against even tradition, uh, long-held beliefs that have been held and, and held nations and societies together for ages. We're going against those laws. Who do we think we are? And so there's, there's a sense that uh, people feel to uh, 
they have to take sides in an argument. Um, God always asks, who is on the Lord's side? That's the only question we as Christians have to answer is who is on the Lord's side. Because those are the only two sides. There's good and there's evil. There's God and there's the devil. There's light and there's darkness. And so when these quote-unquote disagreements break out or wars break out, they are always spiritual wars. We've got to know that. Uh, God is the, our God is the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts. He is the captain of all armies. All wars that exist in this realm are fought because of spiritual confrontation between God's kingdom and the kingdom of darkness. I don't care what kind of veil they cloak it in, you know, if it's a religious war or the Muslims against the infidels and all this kind of stuff, it's still good versus evil, God's kingdom against Satan's kingdom. And and uh, God, we all all know that those who side with God will win and will get victory. And so that's the side you want to be on is, is the side of God. So I was I posted some things about this controversy on my Facebook page, and I see quote unquote Christians uh, who feel this is what you have to be careful about is feelings. You got me. You got to know where they come from. You got to know who's the origin, and you got to know do you fight the feeling or do you go with it? And so it's it's you know they feel that. Um, uh, thankfully, though, many Christians have rallied to her defense just because she's a Christian. She's one of us. You know, others who don't support her feel she should just go sign it. That's your job. You, they hired you. But think about it. She was hired before this law was enacted. Amen. Now, I don't know about your job, but I worked a job in the hospital where uh, we were trained on the job when that job first uh, developed. And over the years, it got more precise, more complicated. And so they started to uh, not hire people with that type of training, but they got people with certificates who went to school, went to college. It was an upgrade in the skill level. But those who had been already hired were what they call grandfathered in. Amen. You were, it, your training and knowledge was still honored. And their commitment to hire you was still honored even though they didn't honor the system under which you were trained anymore. And so there, there should be some honoring of those agreements that are made with people before these things are enacted. Now, people tend to want to always compare racial civil rights with sexual civil rights. Amen. Now, I'm just going to tell you my thinking on it is that I was born this color. Amen. I don't want to change. I can't change. God made me the color that I am. Amen. People who choose, and it's not sin to be black. And it's not... And it's not a sin to be white. It's not a sin to be Asian. It's not a sin to be any color. Anytime God calls something sin, it's because he has a remedy for it. Amen. And so I had to take the remedy for my sin, and the gay and lesbian person must take the remedy for their sin if they're going to live in harmony with God. And so just so we don't get it twisted and start 
allowing ourselves to listen to arguments that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. This is the knowledge of God we're talking about versus any other voice that may come and try to have input in these things. So when we talk about a person's conscience being violated, and I want to talk a little bit more about that today and getting getting us to understand what conscience is and why conscience must be upheld. Now, there are many people who will say things like, well, you know, uh, in 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 the South, they thought black people weren't, uh, uh, you know, worth anything, and and their conscience told no. Your conscience didn't tell you that. So when you get to understand what conscience really is, you'll get to understand there's a difference. Amen. There's a difference between a spirit speaking to you that causes you to have a mindset versus a conscience that dictates certain ways of thinking and certain behavior if you'll follow that. So we're going to talk about conscience and what it is because these things are very important. Amen. So that when you get in your little arguments with your people at your job and all that, you don't back down and they call you hater because you don't want gays to do what they do. You know, you know, I, I, you know, you just can't. It's not about a behavior. It's about God's attitude toward a behavior. You see, it's, it's really, really what it is. And God has sent us here as his ambassadors. People will say it's not your business. It sure is uh, because I represent God down here. I'm not just, you know, an ordinary person. You know, people are trying to drag Christians down on their level. And don't go there. Don't let them pull you down. And don't because you're not a mere person. You're you are a God person. Amen. You are born of the spirit of God. You're endowed with your creator, with his spirit. And that spirit has certain abilities that the mere human does not have. And so so we're going to talk about conscience. Now, what is conscience? Uh, Conscience, you know, in the Bible, where the Bible describes it in, in secular describes it, too. And we'll we'll combine the two understandings so you get a full understanding the greek word is for those of you who follow the strong concordance numbers it's four eight nine three in the greek uh greek dictionary it's sundesis s-u-n-d-e sundesis s-u-n-e-i-d-e-s-i-s the word sun is a prefix that means together with amen so it means, the, in, in, in Desus means to know. So this word really means to know together with. To know together with. So it, the conscience really is a collaboration between you and somebody else that you know something together with. I'm going to say it again. This word means that your conscience is a collaboration between you and someone else that you know something together with. A conscience is a persisting notion. It's not a thought that flies through and goes away, but it's a persisting notion. Conscience joins a moral and a spiritual consciousness 
as part of being created in the divine image. So your conscience really reflects what you know together with God. And this is why sane people, rational people, moral people refuse to tamper with a human being's conscience because that is a sacred thing that God has placed there so that you could have a moral way to judge the affairs of your life. That you have a way to judge things on a higher level than just whether or not it's it's good for you or not good for you. Remember in the 60s and 70s, some of you aren't old enough, but I was around then. There was a slogan, if it feels good, do it. And that's we've been living out of that philosophy and that mentality ever since. Because we have allowed people to have their conscience seared and separated from God by the if it feels good do it philosophy many of the things that we see that are now problems for our society like increased drug usage came with the feel good do it philosophy because people found that they could do something and feel good about it for a while but after a while something happened that they didn't bank on and that something is their conscience that's connected to God allowed them to judge morally and when they judged they found that it was not right in order to get away from that feeling people will do things to numb that consciousness drink take drugs go on more binges of more things adopt other behaviors to cover that up And make it seem that it's right. But the consciousness is part of being created in the divine image. It is a person's God-given capacity to know right from wrong. That's your conscience. All people have it. It is an innate self-judging consciousness or a joint knowledge. So your conscience is tied in to God in such a way that what God knows you have the ability to know and you can govern your life based on that without the word of God, without anything. Listen, when everybody here before you got saved, you had the ability to know right from wrong. Because if, if, if the ability to know right from wrong only came with a knowledge of God's word, where you voluntarily read a Bible, we'd all still be lost. Your conscience is what tells you right from wrong from the beginning. Usually when, when uh, you start training your children, you start training them to, to develop a more sensitive conscience to right and wrong. Because most people are born with a desire to survive. And that's all. And that means you want your way. When, when God comes in and begins to teach and train your conscience to accept the good and walk away from the bad, he's bringing you up to a higher level, a higher moral level of living where you're not terrorizing your household. By running in there and demanding everything from everybody and 
You know, when you when you sit your children down to a meal, everybody has their plate. Well, if you don't have a conscience, you all in somebody else's plate and grabbing their stuff. Conscience helps you to be a higher, have a higher standard of living. I don't care how poorly or how greatly it is developed. And God gives you that to govern yourself and govern your life according, number one, to his purpose in your life. So a conscience is something that that rational people are are slow to want to violate because it's something entrusted to you by God so you can govern your life so that's pleasing to him. I'm going to say it again. Your conscience is given to you by God so you can govern your own life in a way that's pleasing to him. No matter what man says, it must be pleasing to God first. God says this, if your ways please me, I'll straighten out everybody else. But you've got to please him first. And so your conscience must never be violated against your will. You ever do something, you, you said, I wish I hadn't done that. And something told me that was in going, well, yeah, there you go. So we've all violated our own conscience, haven't we? Well, how would you like it if somebody else made you do it? You feel even worse about it. And so this is something that's never violated. Under our, our uh, laws of, of the laws of this country, we respect consci- what we call conscientious objectors. That means that if a war breaks out and the government institutes the draft, which means that unless you hobbling around and got a leg you take off at night or something like that you go to war you know what i'm saying they don't put up with excuses from people except when it violates your moral code and moral conscience and the government is smart enough to understand different groups and religions and things of that nature to see if you're just making it up all of a sudden to get out of something or if this is something that you're really devoted to and so they will, and the reason for it, part of the reason for it is, number one, conscience is respected as the connection between man and God to govern a person's particular, his individual behavior in a moral way to give you a high moral standard. The other is that if you are in war, the, the body that you are joined to is seen as one man. And so if there's a part of that body that's not willing to cooperate with the war effort, you can become a liability to that whole group. And so, and that's why conscience is respected because your, your sensitivity to your behavior should not be uh, uh, something that will jeopardize the safety and security of another individual. And so this is why conscience is respected is because it is, it is mutually respected. I want you to respect what God has told me to do, and I, I want to respect what God has told you to do and how he has told you to live your life. Conscience is impressed by the idea of God. Amen. So your conscience is impressed by the idea of God. It doesn't have to be knowledge of God in relationship, but just the idea of God. You'll see some people will say things like the man upstairs 
or uh, you know somebody up there. Everybody has a, a way of describing a God awareness. So everybody has an idea of God. Even the atheist has an idea of God. He wants to believe he's not there. Amen. But the atheist has a conscience too. Amen. <clears throat> Your conscience really is the soul knowing what is morally good and morally bad. So every soul knows what's morally good and morally bad. And a soul that is mindful of its noble origin. So the, the conscience of a person actually elevates them in their own eyes. Your conscience elevates you in your own eyes. Why? It makes you mindful of your noble origin. The most noble origin there could be would be to be created in God's image. I mean, what could be more, more noble than that? Your conscience will prompt you to do what is good and shun what is bad. Everybody's conscience does that. So you can see how some of the, the uh, scenes that we see in prisons, some of the worst prison offenders, they'll do anything. You know, they'll, they, they, uh, have their bodies pierced and mutilated and marked up with a million tattoos and make, you know, I've seen noises when people walk through the corridors. It's called depraved humanity. And so when your conscience is not obeyed in just obeying the law so you can stay out of jail, you see how that lowers a person's value even in their own eyes. And so you can see the effects of violating your conscience and choosing the bad rather than the good. It diminishes your value, your own value in your own eyes. Amen. Diminishes that. And so it's, it's more than just a person making it through doing their time in the joint and getting out. It has to do with them choosing the good over the bad consistently. That's when, we, when they have parole hearings. They're very sensitive to whether a person's really just putting something on or have they made a permanent change. They want these people to make a permanent change. And you can develop your conscience to a higher level. You can do that. Uh, we do it all the time as believers by meditating on the word of God. The more word of God you meditate on, it brings you up to a higher standard of living, higher and higher and higher. Amen. You don't diminish, you increase. And so it's very what, what your conscience tells you is extremely important. Now, this woman, Kim Davis, says that she couldn't sign those uh, licenses because her conscience wouldn't let her. She felt it was a violation of her conscience, and she felt that being obedient to the word of God was her first, first order. And so instead of the government respecting that, they have tried to force her. They say, you either sign it or go to jail which is unprecedented see we we as believers we got to start really praying against these things and recognize when laws are being violated 
instead of telling people, we'll just sign it and keep your job or resign. Well, you agreed to do your job. Why don't you just resign? You know, I saw people writing things like that on Facebook a lot. And I said, you know, you missed the whole point of everything. This woman's conscience is being violated. Now, we have a law on the books that makes abortion legal. And it violates the conscience even of people who get them done. Because after they're done, then they feel horrible. They they don't want to live anymore. They can't believe they did such a terrible thing. Well, while they were undergoing it, the devil had them deceived for a season because they allowed their conscience to be seared. And so we're going to talk about that searing of the conscience. Let me see if I can find that one. In First Timothy, I think it's four two. First Timothy four two. Says in for verse one, now the Spirit speaks expressly. Amen. He emphasizes this that in the latter times. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, isn't that the truth? A lot of people that we started out with that were saved the same time as, as we were. They don't go to church anymore. They don't do anything toward God anymore. Some of the people I know that were really productive and on fire for God just drop away. Why does that happen? They've given heed to seducing spirits. And doctrines of devils. Many of them are falling victim to this liberal spirit that allows everything. Well, that spirit is is comes out from the prince of darkness and the father of lies. You know, I mean, liberalism allows everything. Why? Because it wants to be allowed everything. See, if you're a believer, you don't care to be allowed everything. You can live with God's rules. But if you're not a believer, you want to be free to do everything. And it's like, I'm not going to complain about your sin. You can't complain about mine. Amen. And so there's nobody there living in a higher realm, uh, living out their nobility before God, because everybody's trying to get away with something. So he says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. What are some of their doctrines? Forbidding to marry. Shacking up. Huh? Fornicating. Commanding to abstain from meats. New age people. Vegetarianism. You know, they'll put pictures of a of, uh, piece of meat on the Internet with pus running out of it to see if they can make you not want it. I said, I'll scrape that off, bless it, and eat it. And don't, don't mess with the baba. <laughs> That'll fix them. I, I put a comment on it. I said, it looks yummy to me. See, they want to sear your conscience so that you think something's wrong with food. The Bible says nothing's to be refused. It's taken with thanksgiving. Amen. 
I mean, speak over, speak the word over that, thank God for it, and throw down and ask him to send you some more tomorrow. Amen. Jesus said it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you, but what comes out. What are you talking? Huh? Dig yourself. Go watch your words instead of watching what you eat. My goodness. Don't don't we have better ways to spend our time, folks? Come on now. People are going to hell and you worried if you eat meat or a vegetable? Give me a break. Eat them, eat them both. Settle the argument. Eat them both. He says, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. It says every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it received with thanksgiving. It's sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So your food has to be made holy, not because you're so wonderful, because the Holy Spirit lives in you. We sanctify our food because of who lives in us. Let's not get it twisted here. And see, the little New Age people think they're better than the next guy because they don't eat certain things. They're trying to make themselves holy by what they eat. They'll never get there that way. Huh? <laughs> They'll never get there that way. So that's how the conscience is seared with a hot iron. You start running after stuff that tickles your flesh and you think you're getting the edge up or leg up on everybody. You know, you think you know something somebody doesn't know when the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And this is an old game that's been played for centuries on people. So it's never nothing new. Amen. Huh? It's never nothing new. My my father lived to be 94 years old. He said, I've seen everything but the bottom of the sea. <laughs> he wasn't moved by a lot either. You never, you never saw him nervous, rattle, frazzled, or anything. Amen. So your conscience connects you to God. It can be seared. Just by listening to stuff that tickles your flesh. You've seen people, they start cults, they get... Uh, twisted in their thinking you'll see people that started out spirit-filled christians Uh, jim jones the man that committed suicide with all those people back in the 70s was at one time a spirit so fred price knew him and preached with him at one time said at one time he was a follower of christ but he got seduced away huh through the flesh taking the glory of god upon himself the same way satan did so your conscience can be seared and, and hardened and desensitized to God. And if you look at what's happened in this nation and other Western countries, that's exactly what's happened. Over the years, people have been desensitized to, to what's right and wrong, what's good and what's evil. So that now people are able to call what's evil good and what's, what is good evil. And so we have to, as believers, get deeper and deeper into the things of God and just hold on to what's good. Because deliverance is coming and God can reverse a lot of these wicked laws that have been made that are trying to force Christians to violate the word and force Christians to give up on God. 
That's what the pressure is. They want us to change. Amen. They want us to change. Now, if your conscience has been seared, it can be healed and repaired. It can be healed and repaired. By an act of your will, you can make a decision to go on with God and forget about the nonsense that, that, you know, is being perpetrated. Once God opens your eyes to what the truth is and you walk back into the things of God and he can restore and we, he can heal and he can pardon your sin and he can help you on the road to healing and get you back to be, have a normal conscience again, a conscience that is alive in Christ. In 1 Timothy 1, let me see, I wanted to go there. They were talking about, in in Timothy, there was a controversy about eating meat sacrificed to idols. Some people thought you you could eat eat it. Some people, (laughs) like me, I think you can eat anything. (laughs) Some people thought they shouldn't do it. And and so he's trying to settle this controversy. Uh, Let me see. First Timothy one, I think it was verse five. Hang on. Let me see if it's four or five again. And we did that one already, but uh, there is a scripture that says love comes from a pure heart and a good conscience. Is it five? First Timothy. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at 2-5. Oh, okay. All right. In verse 4 it says, Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies. You know, like so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat so-and-so. You know, people will recite the Bible like that and try to sound deep because they've memorized some stuff it's not about that it's about how much of it you live what do you incorporate into your being and you have enough confidence in it to live it out he says which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in the faith and so those people usually wind up arguing with somebody about oh who came after who no he didn't come after him because so-and-so begat so-and-so begat you know what i'm saying he said, no, so now the end of the commandment is charity or love out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and faith unfeigned. In other words, unpretentious faith. Not the type that we say when somebody says, how are you doing? I'm blessed by the best, no stress, more or less. I'm too blessed to be stressed. What you shaking for? I told you I'm too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> so we're, we are to have a pure heart and a good conscience. And a, a good conscience will always help you to be able to judge what's right and wrong for yourself. You're in a danger zone when you try to use your conscience to judge what's right or wrong for the other person. Now, 
everybody knows that fornication sin. We don't have to, that ain't a matter of my conscience being more superior to yours. You understand what I'm saying? There are certain laws, certain things that are judged already where we don't have to go in with a new judgment on it. It's already been judged. You know, if, if you haven't confessed Christ as your Savior, you're going to hell. There's only one way to go, and, and that's it. Take it or leave it. But then there are some things that, that say, for instance, if I, if I want to skip church. Now, preachers don't skip church. Can we grow up here? I mean, that ain't in my makeup. It ain't in my repertoire. It ain't on my calendar ever. Skip and do what? Stay at home and feel bad for the whole time. Like I really did something. <laughs> I really did something wonderful. But there are some people who won't let their conscience develop to that level. They look forward to an opportunity not to come to church because that's how they've trained themselves. And they have not let God develop their conscience any higher than that. So they, instead of, in me, I'm trying to find a way to get to church so I won't miss anything. And they're looking for an opportunity not to go. So they'll call me up and say, uh, can I be excused? No. Because I got to deal with my conscience. Now you deal with yours. You talk to God and see what he tells you to do. But for me, I'm going to be there. <laughs> Don't make me party to that kind of nonsense. Uh, is it okay if I, you better judge that for yourself. Well, I don't tell you yay nor nay. Uh, but if I was in your shoes, I wouldn't. Don't you need your bills paid this week? Don't you need? <laughs> Speaking the truth in love. <laughs> uh, well, this is important. See, I like that. This the family reunion. Them drunks, fornicators, in-laws, outlaws, tattooed, pierced. Huh? Getting drunk and stepping all over your feet and cussing you out. Right. That's what it always, when the mix jumps off, they're going to beat up the Christian first. I'm going to tell you right now. Why you feel you got to be there. And I prayed about going to our family reunions. I'd love to see some of my relatives again, but it's never been convenient on my calendar. So I pray for them. We will meet in heaven one day. Uh, and I don't have to skip nothing that God tells me to do to go have some fun. That's, that's always, you know, you learn that in, in grade school. Some kid tells you, well, I got the key to, to my uh, cousin house. And let's go over there at recess and have some fun. Well, you know what? You go over there. And, and then the, the, you know, water, water starts spilling all over everything. There's a flood in the house, and you caught in there with, with all that nonsense. You learn those lessons in grade school. You know, you don't cut something, to, <laughs> something that's mandated already. Your parents expect you to be at school. You better get there. huh? Your father expects you to be in the house of worship. You better get there. huh? Because it's easy to quit going and then hard to get back again. 
You ever notice that? Now, I did that when I was a sinner. Well, you know, you miss skip two Sundays in a row, and it's easy to just not go even go anymore, you see. The devil likes you on the outside so he can lock you out. <laughs> you can't get back in there again. It's <laughs> like people, you know, married people in adultery. You know, you step out one time, you feel so bad, you just keep going. So stupid. Now, that's why you wind up with somebody else's something they don't want. Now, oh, it got quiet. You can say amen because you know it's the truth. You know it's the truth. Poor Josh Duggar. He just, you know, he needs to be delivered. Now, something happened. That kid, he's too curious about stuff. Sexually, something ain't right there. And he needs help. And he needs to be delivered. Need to speak in tongues. Because I don't believe in people speaking in tongues. That's one thing they need to do. That will help greatly. Praying in tongues will make your wife look like 100% it. <laughs> now watch all the men go. <laughs> they go try it, right? I'm going to try that. Yeah, women, you try it too. Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, so 1 Timothy 1.19. I'm going to find that one here. He's in verse 18. I charge, I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before you, that you by them might war a good warfare. And this is what a good warfare entails. Holding faith. Amen. Clinging to your faith and a good conscience. When you hold on to what God has told you, you hold on to a good conscience. Amen. You hold on to faith. You have a good conscience with some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. So you started putting away your conscience and you go shipwrecked. See, don't be the person to cause somebody to stumble because you nag at them because they don't do as much as you do that you ain't supposed to do. Paul talked about how they the food that was sold in a place they call the shambles was uh, meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Some Christians whose conscience was developed to a certain level saw that there was nothing wrong with it, even though it had been sacrificed to a foreign god. They said, that god's nothing. He's not even a real god. He's make-believe. So they didn't think there was anything wrong with it. They saw nothing. But then there were other Christians that felt it was wrong and they couldn't partake of it. And Paul said, don't you pick on him because he's not thinking like you, and don't you pick on him because he's not. In other words, don't you try to make him eat something his mind's telling him not to eat, and don't you try and, and make him you know, come down and, and start eating this or, or quit eating it because he thinks it's wrong for him. And so he says, an idol is nothing. He said, you're arguing about nothing. And so the things that are really important, that we obey God's law. Paul would, would outline those things. And at the top of the list all the time was sexual immorality. That was the top of the list. 
why is it the bottom of the list in our society now that we can just overlook that? When you let go of your faith and your conscience, it leads you to shipwreck. Uh, and I can't blame this woman for not wanting to go shipwreck because she, in her mind, this is something that she's doing is unto the Lord and she's going to stick with it and let God be the judge. Amen. Let God judge everything. Romans, I think it's 12.5 or 13.5. Let me see which one it is. Tells us to submit to the authorities for the sake of a clear conscience. Suppose you disagree with your authorities based on what God's told your conscience. You think that could happen? It happens all the time. It happens all the time. In the 1800s, there was a a slave by the name of Dred Scott, and he had run away and, and gotten his freedom. But he was apprehended by the slave owners that owned him, and the case went all the way to Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ruled that he was not even a person. Got skin like you, can see, he can eat, produce children, what makes him not a person. So that was our same Supreme Court that says, it's okay to you understand what i'm saying so these are people people who are swayed by culture customs pressure money whatever pressures them and and so that decision was later reversed when it became uh undeniable that no matter what your skin color you're a person and created in the image of God. The Supreme Court says it's okay to kill how many babies a year? Over 13 million babies per year in abortion. So don't tell me these people aren't fallible, that they can't make mistakes. They get pressured by a lot of things. So in, in, in democracies, you're allowed what's called civil disobedience. You got me? Civil disobedience. That means that if you feel in your heart that a law is incorrect, you have the right to make a statement against that law in a civilized manner and refuse to obey it. Civil disobedience. As long as you're not threatening anybody, as long as you're not out there trying to murder anybody and throw bricks and Molotov cocktails at stuff and burn stuff down, you know, you can make your case before the public. And that's all civil disobedience is. It's making your case before the public to see if there are enough people who support what you believe and can reverse a law that you feel is wrong. It's done in this country all the time. <clears throat> First Peter 3.16 gives us more instruction on your conscience. First Peter 3. It says here, 15, sanctify the Lord in your hearts. In other words, make him the supreme ruler in your heart to sanctify something means to make it holy 
when you make something holy that means you don't judge against it and you know it's without blame so what he's saying is when you sanctify god in your hearts you can trust your heart when you hear from god you got me you can trust yourself to hear from god and he says sanctify god in your hearts um and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Amen. So if you keep God holy in your heart, you don't try to judge the word. You don't look at the word and say, well, I don't think we should have to do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And people do it all the time. You know, it's just simple things. You put a question mark out there. You think it's wise to question everything. And he says, having a good conscience that whereas they that speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. So write that scripture down on your your, uh, prayer also. That when somebody refuses something in a good conscience and they sanctify the Lord in their hearts, that they may that the evildoers would be ashamed that falsely accuse their good conversation in Christ. So we're going to pray that for Kim, Kim Davis, Amen. That she is obeying her conscience and refusing to go along with what she knows the Bible says is sin and is sin. The homosexual knows they're in sin. They're just deranged now you know and and kind of out there on a limb not knowing how far they can go romans 9 says something that makes you want to be very very careful how you approach people who are are moving with their conscience in god says here romans 9 and verse 11. Hang on. Yeah. No, that's not it. <laughs> Hang on. Oh, I hate that. It must be one. It says, I, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. When you have your mind renewed by the word of God, the Holy Ghost bears witness to your conscience. See, this is why it's bad to go against a believer that's taking a stand. Because the Holy Spirit has them arrested in their conscience because they've already got a witness in their conscience from the Holy Ghost. There are some decisions that we make that are morally upright but not so heavily reinforced by the Spirit of God. But what the Holy Spirit can do is arrest you and hold you 
And if you violate that, you're in more contempt than any court that would put you in jail would find you to be in. Do you understand? what? So this is the, the seriousness of what we do sometimes when we try to get people to change their minds about their stand in God. See, that's a, a very, very uh, risky thing to do. Uh, the best thing to do is what we're going to do is pray for these individuals because they because they belong to God, they're entitled to our prayers. You know, they are entitled to our prayers. And once we pray and pray God's word, then God can settle a matter. But until then, you don't go to somebody and plead with them, you know, to drop what they're doing and drop the suit or drop the this and drop the that because you're not going to get anywhere with this, all this kind of advice and nonsense. Because the Holy Spirit also bears witness with their conscience. You got me? And so once that witness from the Spirit is there, that's the highest truth you can ever want. And you have to walk in that truth. You can't just do what you want to do and and think it's going to be okay, you see. And so this woman is under arrest by the Holy Spirit and can't violate her own decision. You see what I'm saying? You, You can't violate that. It's just like the, uh, remember the lady that we prayed for that was finally released? She, the Sudanese woman that was in prison? Yeah, Miriam. She could have said, you know, well, I serve Allah, you know, <laughs> fingers crossed behind your back, you know, that kind of nonsense, and, and considered it a joke, which I'm sure some people do. But she decided that she was going to make her stand for the Lord because she took the word of God seriously, ma'am. And so the Holy Spirit bore witness with her, and that's why she never changed. Once the Holy Spirit bears witness to what you are, the decision you make and what your conscience is telling you, you're at the point of no return. You don't turn back after that. You got me? You don't chicken out. Well, suppose she's wrong. God will decide that. You don't decide that. Once you made a decision to go along with your conscience, you don't, well, suppose God's wrong. Hey, it'll be the greatest wrong that ever happened in your life. Because look at all the people who are watching that. Looking all the, look at all the Christians who have finally come out of the woodworks. All the closet Christians finally made up their mind to take a stand. So your conscience will bear witness with you in the Holy Spirit. Like I say, some things aren't that crucial, but then some things are. So you have to let the Holy Spirit decide. <clears throat> Second Corinthians one twelve. Good, I'm glad you found it. I'm still fumbling. Look, I was saying Corinthians 1. He says now, now I, this, this I say, the second, oh Lord, I'm in the first again. How'd I wind up there again? 2 Corinthians 1, 12. 
for rejoicing for our rejoicing is this the testimony of our conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity not with fleshly wisdom see fleshly wisdom just sign the papers god understands no i already talked to him and he told me what to do he said don't sign the paper that in simplicity and godly sincerity not with fleshly wisdom but by the grace of god we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly toward you so he says the testimony of our conscience your conscience bears witness to your integrity he said in godly simplicity and sincerity so your conscience bears witness to your integrity so it has to do with you as a moral person you as an upright person and you as a god-fearing person first corinthians 8 Let's back in this thing of sacrifice by, uh, to idols. I guess I have to read this. At verse 8, sorry, in verse 1. Now, as touching things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So he says, if you're in an argument with somebody, choose love. Don't try to over-argue them with your, your knowledge. Uh, there was some guy he kept responding to everything everybody had something to say i said his name has popped up here five times on my little thing huh on my little post why because the weaker a person is the more they have to talk you know the the uh the congressional filibuster it's done for that they know they're not going to win the argument so they just keep talking and talking and talking amen yeah so you can tell that from the devil you know if you start making excuses you have to make up another one to cover that one to cover that one to your mind never quits going but love settles things you know it doesn't take god much talking to settle a matter you can say it with one word he says if any man thinks he knows anything he knows nothing as yet as he ought to know but if any man love God, the same is known of him as concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice to idols. We know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. For though there be that that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be many and lords many, but to us there is but one God the father of whom all things and we are in him and one lord jesus christ by whom all are all things and and we by him howbeit there is not in any man the knowledge for some with with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled so if you force somebody to eat something they have a weak conscience they think they ought to stay away from it because they really haven't heard from god on the thing this is the thing there are many decisions we make that we do it based on what we feel we understand about what god's told us thus far and you haven't really put that question to him you understand it's like you know if say for instance you said 
I knew a, a friend years ago who said, well, I prayed about what to wear to church. And I'm going, huh? <laughs> Does it match the shoes? No. Oh, too bad. I'll get it right next week. But I can't tell her. <laughs> you know, well, whatever. Okay. You know, some to some, some to others. He says here, uh, <clears throat> verse 8, but meat commends us not to God. For neither if we eat, we are the better. Neither if we don't eat, we're the worse. I mean, it, it's nothing. He said, but take heed lest by any means the liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. So just keep it to yourself. You understand what I'm saying? Go have your pork chop. If you are vegetarian, go have your vegetables. And don't try to force it on somebody else. Do, do something. Force an offering on them. Force some money in my hand. You understand? Bless me. And let's cut this out. So what is our conscience telling us to do in these matters? That's what's important. We must first pray and ask God what to do. Amen. So if you haven't prayed about it and you haven't really gotten a specific answer from God, then just say that and let that person do what their conscience tells them to do. Unless you know it's blatant black and white sin. Now, if they're going to steal something, you understand what I'm saying, or going to buy something hot. You know what hot is, don't you? I had a girlfriend, everything in her house was hot. She'd have furs and stuff like that. And and my husband told me one time, he said, I don't want you going up there, you know. And I didn't know, you know, I was just, she was my friend and she was a Christian. You know what I'm saying? You know how Christians are. We Christians and we Christians. And he said, no, he said, I can tell by the way they do things. And I'm thinking, what is he talking about? He said, he said, do you know if you have a fur, he said, they can, the, the, uh, I forget who it was, but it's a government agency that regulates all those luxury things. He said, they can come, he said, and they rip that, if it looks suspicious, they rip that off of you. And he said, there's a brand with a serial number on the real furs. He said, and they find that in the stolen category. He said, you just been embarrassed somewhere out in public. <laughs> and they done took their fur back, and she had a lot of furs, uh-huh. a lot of furs, a lot of expensive things. And so they were fences, you know. They just had people come in there that stole stuff. But she went to church every Sunday. You understand what I'm saying? And sang and did her thing. And, uh, you know, I didn't partake. <laughs> yeah, it's always a choir, right? It's always worship people. No. <laughs> Take that back. <laughs> But you know what I'm saying. They just just let their conscience be seared. Don't know how to trust God. See, that's what happens when your lust and your wants get ahead of your faith. Make sure your lust and your wants take a backseat to your faith and you won't get in trouble. So little faith and a lot of wants. So <clears throat> prayer is without partiality. And it upholds God's word. That's why it's always good to go to God in prayer about everything. And if anybody wants to know if this Kim Davis is right or wrong, ask God. Uh, Stay off my little Facebook post. I, I had to correct people. I said, listen, I didn't ask you for right or wrong. I asked you to pray. 
oh, okay, I did pray. Pray some more and get off of here. This is my thing. I will delete you. I have delete power. (laughs) But if we look at some of the things that were forbidden, I'm just going to take you quickly to Acts chapter 4, where it was forbidden by the disciples to preach in the name of Jesus. You saw Peter at the gate beautiful with that man who had been lame forever. And when the jealous Pharisees saw that God had performed a miracle through these common people that weren't in their denomination and weren't in their group and God's using somebody and we can't control that person because they're not in our club, don't want to be in our club. I thank God I got kicked out of many, many clubs, religious clubs, when I first started. So I don't have a taste for that stuff. So he says in uh, Acts chapter 4. Thank you, Lord. Verse 7, it says, And they set them in the midst and asked, By what power, by what name have you done this? Now, in those days, people were very familiar with witchcraft and sorcery. So names carried power, and they knew. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, oh, Lord, you didn't ask the wrong man on the wrong day the right question. He said to them, you rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of a good deed done to the impotent man, by what means is he made? Now, be it known to you all. <laughs> everybody. Huh? Your grandma, go get granny out there. You know, everybody. He says that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, remember him, that's the dude y'all crucified. Whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone that the builder set at naught. It's now the chief cornerstone. Neither is El Salvation. He said, while I'm talking, neither is El Salvation in any other name. So when you get in a place where you get that kind of audience, you run the whole game down to them. Amen. That's your open door to preach the gospel. And he said, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. See, those are dangerous people. Because people, you know what, people who go for the education and the certificates and stuff, they're easy to win over by the religious. All you got to do is ask them off from another certificate or a degree behind their name. But when you don't know no better and all you got is a big mouth and you preach and God does miracles at your word, you're dangerous. They took knowledge with them and they knew they'd been with Jesus. That's all people need to know about you. Verse 16, they said, what shall we do to these men? For indeed, a notable miracle, that's what you want, people, the religious demons scratching their heads. And they said, but that it spread no further among the people, let us threaten them that they speak no more in this name. 
And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But. See, the Holy Ghost is the author of the but here. You got me? Make sure you're totally submitted to God in these things and the Holy Ghost will be the author of your but. And he says, but where was I? Oh, okay, 19. Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to hear is the conscience again. To hearken unto you more than to God, you judge. In other words, you got a church. You got people. You take big offerings. You got the biggest church in the country. You judge whether I'm telling the truth or not. You ought to know. And he says, but we cannot speak but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In other words, I'm just telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I've seen. I'm telling you what I heard. That's what everybody does. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them, because for the people all glorified God. And the man was above 40 years of age that was was the miracle was done on so when they let him go they went to their own company reported all that they had and then they prayed and they lifted up their voice to god with one accord verse 24 said lord you are god which made heaven and earth and the sea and everything who by the mouth of your servant david it says why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things huh See, imagining that that, uh, homosexual marriage is going to stand anywhere is a vain thing. So anybody who stands with it is standing on something vain. It says, for now, Lord, verse 29, behold their threatenings and grant to your servants a quiet passage out of town and we won't talk oh excuse me oh i'm sorry that ain't what they asked for more boldness the reason they talked back to us is we didn't have enough power to make them stand frozen and shut up so we want that power so that's what we're going to ask for kim davis more boldness they didn't take the girl seriously the first time So Peter obeys his conscience. Amen. 419. Their request was for more boldness. Verse 29. That signs and wonders. Ernest Angley. Anybody know him? People in Ohio know him in Cleveland. He, Ernest Angley has been a minister, a signs and wonders minister, you know, pretty quietly in Akron. He has local TV coverage and that kind of stuff. He's not national like some ministers are but he let he lost his wife at a very early age and they said that out of grief he sought god and went away and spent a couple of months just fasting and praying asking god to heal him and when he came out god had anointed him with a very powerful anointing well back in the 80s he went over to germany which at that time still was segregated communist and so-called free as much as you can be free when your neighbor's a communist. But um, they put him in jail for practicing medicine without a license. 
That, that was common with healing ministers. You know, be thankful, folks, that we can preach freely. I, I mean, there's persecution in the air, and the more power we have, the more persecution we will suffer. And that's just the way it is. Uh, God won't let you run off with his power and have a merry old time and forget you belong to him. So he, like he did with Paul, a little thorn, a messenger of Satan to buffet him, not buffet him. That means to fight you every time you get it. Paul got beat up every place he went. Huh? And so he said that Brother Angley went into his jail cell and he prayed. And he told the jailer, he said, God told me in a dream last night that if you don't let me out of jail here, he's going to put judgment on this this country. And so they wanted to keep him locked up and they just ignored him, left him in there. Well, about four o'clock in a July afternoon, it started to snow in Germany. And nobody could understand it. It wasn't forecast. There was no reason for the snow. And then somebody got smart and looked at that little man of God that they had put in jail. And like by that afternoon, they had him a plane ticket. And he was out of Germany and he was back home and comfortable in Akron, Ohio again. Huh? But see, he was like Paul. He says, I have spent time with God, whose I am and whom I serve. You got to know. You got to know your God. You got to know Him. You can't just be casual in this kind of stuff. Now, from what I understand, this Kim uh, Davis has only been saved three years. Now, if God's doing that to three-year-old Christians, what do you think is coming for the rest of us? Amen. I'm telling you, we better get on our face before God and pray. And help this woman. And don't be sitting back judging and withholding your prayer and withholding your faith and judgment because you think you know something. Mm-hmm. So Peter obeyed his conscience. In Acts 12 verse 1 we see where Herod begins to persecute the church and just for the fun of it decided he was going to murder some of them. And he put Peter in jail. Acts 12:5. if you'll write that scripture down. Pray, oh, I'm sorry, and I wanted you to write down the one that we just did in in first I mean Acts chapter four twenty nine for requesting more boldness uh acts twelve five we pray for those imprisoned because in the the Bible says the church prayed earnestly for Peter, and God let him out of jail. Uh, you don't pray for God to lock people, throw away the key on the blood bought. You pray for mercy. If you don't know no scriptures, you pray in the Holy Ghost. You do the best you can. But I would say this much. Before you go and pray, purify your heart. Make sure you're hearing from God and you're not holding on to some attitude that you think you know something. Because you've been sitting up looking at CNN for two months straight in a row. They'll twist you up. All that liberal nonsense coming through there. I like what uh, I think that uh, who is that guy Vanderbilt's son? What's his name? The rich, the rich little gay boy, Anderson Cooper. Yeah, 
uh, he was interviewing Donald Trump, and he was trying to ask him one of them gotcha questions, you know, like, I'm smarter than you, I got you, and Donald Trump. Come on now, Anderson, you're a grown-up. Huh? We're all grown-ups here, amen? And we know what God expects out of us. And that is when, if, if a preacher's in jail, you pray. You don't judge, you pray. You don't try to tell them what they should have done or try to figure out, well, I knew they was going to get in trouble because they so-and-so and such-and-such. They're doing something for God. That's why they're in jail. Persecution always has to be factored in. When When you get imprisoned, you're not being imprisoned solely because of what you did. You think the devil doesn't want to throw away the key if he finds a believer in jail? Man, he'll close down every bail bonds office and (laughs) shut the door try to keep you in there huh and have you abused by somebody the jailer forget the key and leave the door unlocked and 15 people come there and beat you up he likes that kind of stuff it happened to um geez carol kent the christian you know she does all the women's conferences and writes lots of books red-haired lady very nice lady her son was murdered a guy you know, he, he was guilty. He, there were witnesses that saw him. But just because he had murdered someone, he still had to have a trial. And he said just out of nowhere, about six men appeared in his cell and beat him unmercifully. I mean, the mother was shocked when she saw him. It was just the biggest heartbreak. You're a Christian. You serve God all your life, and your kid gets in trouble, and then somebody just comes in and beats him up. So the devil tries to see to it. You don't want nobody to stay in jail that you know. You understand me? If they're entitled to bail, you pray that they can make bail and get out. Huh? They're safer on the outside than on the, If they're a flight risk, God will apprehend them. He knows how to find anybody anywhere. But we always pray for God's mercy. And especially those of the household of faith. You know, you pray for extreme mercy. For one another so we're going to pray our protection prayer i'm just going to ask you to pray in the holy spirit and i'll pray in english and from some of the notes that we made we can pray for kim davis and for persecuted christians around the world this is a good prayer for worldwide persecution thank you jesus father we thank you that would we counter attack all the attacks of the enemy against your people. I thank you, Lord. We submit to God. Resist the devil, and devil, you must flee. Satan, we command you, flee from us seven ways. Vengeance belongs to you, O God, and we resist retaliation from our accusers. We're serving you. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? You who sits in the heavens are laughing. Behold their threatening and stretch forth your hand to heal, O God. Do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. Do signs and wonders at Kim Davis's words in Jesus' name. We declare the way of the ungodly will perish. Let the ungodly fall by their own counsel. Lord, you will judge the people. Judge us, O Lord, according to your, our integrity and our conscience that works in us. Let the mischief of all spiritual forces who persecute us return upon their own heads. Keep us as the apple of your eye and hide us under the shadow of your wings. Thank you for teaching our hands to war so that the bow of steel is broken in our arms. Thank you that you have given Kim the necks of her enemies. Shut the mouths of the lions that roar their lies against her. 
cause the tongue of the wicked persecutors to cleave to the roof of their mouth and stop the pointing of the finger against your servant. Stop those who point the finger against her without a cause and who hate her. Lord, we know it's nothing for you to help. Help us, O Lord, our God, or save us according to your mercy. Let our hands prosper and prevail against our enemies. Father, we thank you that the righteous are as bold as a lion. We thank you, Lord, to give her more confidence and more boldness to speak boldly your word. But, Lord, you are with us as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, our persecutors will stumble. Let Kim's persecutors stumble. They will not prevail. They'll be greatly ashamed, for they will never.